Welcome to Beyond Hood and Evil, folks. We're your host. I'm Mike. That's Chris. What's up? Yo, what are we getting into today? We already know it's Beyond Hood and Evil. And today, for the evil of it, <laughs> we're going to get into that Derek Chauvin case. You know, I know there's mm. been a, a very concerted effort to call it the George Floyd case, but that's crazy to call it a case, try to put a case of burn on a man who's was murdered and the guy who did the murdering is on trial, but they call it the victim's name. That I don't know <laughs> how that works. And then for the beyond of it, we won't get into white approval as it pertains to black folks and other individuals. Like, why does that seem so important? Like, you got to be validated by people that are not like you in order to feel whole. So that's what we're going today. Amen. Yeah, man. Put on your dashiki. Put on your uh, your kufis. You know what I'm saying? We getting real. We getting so brother, man. Make sure y'all got some some candles lit. Your emoji candles lit, and you got some shea butter on hand just to keep your hands moisturized. Get your incense because we about to get into it. You know, it's not Black History Month. You know, it's April. It's the Asian Pacific Heritage American Heritage Month, and yeah, it's a lot going on. <laughs> hey, let's hit it, Chris. Yep. So with the Derek Chauvin case, man, this could be a really quick topic, or we could spend the whole episode here, Chris, because we can dig into the weeds if we want to, or we can just keep it a buck. So which which route do you want to take? Where where are you at with all of this? Man, listen, this is where I'm at with it. I remember I was alive and I was I was grown, grown-ish, <laughs> like the ABC show, uh, <laughs> for the Trayvon Martin case. I didn't, I wasn't, I was alive, the, the juice, OJ's trial, I believe I was alive for that as well, but I was too young to understand the magnitude and the cultural impact that would have. But I was alive for the impact of Trayvon Martin. And I have a sneaking suspicion <laughs> that we may be watching the same thing again. I know that sounds crazy, but it's just the state of the world. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this happen before <laughs> where a black man is obviously not in the wrong. He gets murdered in a very vicious fashion. And then the person who is a perpetrator appears to be lighter complected. So they get that reasonable doubt just because they are the right color, which is what we say on this podcast, the white color. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's just a lot of things that's going through my mind. I've, I've tried to purposely guard myself from watching the case as it unfolds because I feel like it's basically a real life. It's almost like a real time drama. Like people on the stand are talking about how they felt guilty and they didn't know it was going to go down like that. They wish they had done more. There had there was just things that in my mind go back to what we saw on last part about the um, having that accountability and having that empathy to know if you knew better, you do better. But mm-hmm. if people don't know better, I guess they don't. I wish I had a clever rhyme to make that sound good, but I don't. People real trash, man. People out here garbage, man. <laughs> and they, you know, they be thinking they need to protect themselves so much. Like they just so scared that they just make these split decisions and they end up, it just really exemplifies how in the moment you can, everything can change. Your life can ultimately change forever. So I kicked this off with saying that this could be simple. This, we can elaborate. I obviously know we're going to elaborate on this, but to keep it quick, Derek Chauvin, we know that he is guilty. He is guilty of this crime. And he should do incredible time for it. That's my rhyme, Chris. That's that's, that's, that's my quick little two-part. It's as simple as that. I can jump into why people, specifically white men, and you say you can say white people broadly in America, because again, we just had a presidential election where 70 million people 
voted for a particular person that upheld white supremacist beliefs, Lit. right? Whether you want to call it or not, that that's what you're doing. You don't want to call yourself a racist, but if you involve yourself in racist activities or support someone who supports and spouts racist rhetoric, then you are by default at least supporting racism if you don't want to call yourself racist. Mike, it's all right to be white, okay? It's okay. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It, well, you it could be is. A, I tell you, you could be a white you could be a white supremacist, but if black people think they're the best, they're not black supremacists. They just woke. What is that? You know what I'm saying? What What are we doing here, Mike? You know, you got to <laughs> woke Mike. Yeah, woke Mike. Okay, woke, woke Mike has reprised yeah. himself yeah. today. Yeah, I see you got your kufi on, you got your dashiki, you got your oils, and you got your bees on. You know what I'm saying? You got a bean pie in your hand there, brother Mike. You know what I'm saying? I am, I am here. I, I'm here. And it's and but and Chris, because it's as simple as that. It's like, yo, there's no one that can truly explain away what the dude has done. So much so that the city has already paid out incredible amount of money to the family. For whatever reasons that they decided to do that, the city made a payment out that affected the jewelry that they currently have because they said this jewelry can now be directly affected by the settlement that the city reached with the family. Why would the city do that? You know why. Why? Because the system rigged. They about to send this man home. <laughs> and they paying up front. They putting they putting the debt down payment on the debt. Because as soon as he go home, you know it's another civil case against the city about to come. Wait, he got off. We saw everybody. We just hold you. We saw him. We can't get him. We saw in the police station. We saw in the commissioner. We saw. You know, I'm throwing a book at him. You know what I'm saying? And they about to get um, Michael Sloan. They about to get um one eight hundred twenty one eight eight eight. 2020, the judge for you with Mike Slocum, the dude that be on CW in between Ju Judge Judy and Judge Matthews, they about to call him Mike Slocum, <laughs> the, the Cochran firm. They about to, you know how their voices go, you know. Yeah, because Chris, people are about to be hot because we already know that when they, when they dropped that $27 million, I was like, oh, he definitely not going to prison. The dude not going because the city felt like it's already rectified the situation. They already reconciled it. We gave them some money, mm -hmm. right? They should be fine now. And they should be able to kind of just like let this go, right? And then the case will go. Bro's going to be considered, quote unquote, lawfully not guilty, right? And then he's going to walk and the streets are going to burn. There might be a couple 187s. There might be a few different things that happen in response to it because you know what's going to happen? Black people are going to feel extremely upset. They're going to have a stronger distrust for law and they're going to be extremely dejected because at this point, what more do we need to see as evidence to prove that what we what's happening to us? Yes, what's happening to us is systematic and it's uncontrollable. At what point, like well, what more can people do besides just really lash out and just give people what they want, which is for black folks to react so that you can justify all the heinous things you want to do to them? Well, I mean, there's the obvious thing. You could go get you some cake butter soap, get you some um, and just start bleaching your skin. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the best course of action. Like you can, you can, you can act, you can act the right color, but you won't look the right color. So what the obvious choice is to try to get on your um, you know, if everybody just walking up, me and my me and my friends, we all had a cook about how in the next 20 years everybody gonna look like Drake and Alicia Keys. And that's just the way the world's gonna go. Everybody gonna look like that. They just gonna be everybody gonna be all mixed up. And exotical, and it's gonna be the end of shadism because everybody just gonna be the beige. We used to call it the beige brigade. You know, it's just gonna be a bunch. It's gonna be a beige brigade. It's not gonna be no more dark skin, no more light skin, no more white skin, no more Asian. You know, India just beige. Everybody gonna be different colors of eggshell white, taupe, 
beige, <laughs> tan, mm. burlap. It's just going to be this, this different shades <laughs> and this, you know, this brownish, whitish, you know, oatmeal color. That's what people are going to be. And that, that way you can't kill people because then at that time it's like, man, that person looked like my uncle. It's like, yeah, but everybody looked like your uncle. Everybody mm. looked like your niece. You know what I'm saying? You can't you can't have that feeling of difference because they look just like you. You know what I'm saying? So, so you're saying there will be an elimination of the other. Yeah, everybody gonna, be, gonna look be, alike. Yeah, everybody gonna be mixed up. Like in the um, like in that book, The Tale of Two Cities or whatever, when the dude end up going to the future and he see everybody wearing um togas and peasant blouses and they got long white hair and they all look white skinned and there's no violence and no crime. And then he just come out coming from the 1800s and just start watching folks. And they're like, what is this? What's wrong with him? Because he's this big, surly, dark haired man. They're like, oh, my God, is he an animal? He's an animal. And he's like, I'm not an animal. I just look different from you. <laughs> you know, it's like these these are these are all concepts that existed for a long time. Like, this is a great it's a real it's a wild book. Um, but yeah, man. But to get back on the topic. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen is until there's a, a, a conscientious effort by all the darkies to get more light. I mean, what do you expect? You know, when I walk down the street, I grab my pearls. If I see a group of young men, I move my purse, you know. <laughs> if I step on the elevator and there's a bunch of dark folks on there, I make sure that I, I wait. I, I just say, no, no, no. you know, someone waving me that I don't know. I hit them with this teethless smile. You know what I'm talking about? The toothless smile that you get, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the head nod. <laughs> it's like, what is that? Is that a greeting? <laughs> Say what passive aggressive greeting is that? You know? So Derek Chauvin, um, the murderer, you know, this this case will go, you will either be convicted or you won't be convicted. Um, does it change your perspective? Does it change your feelings or your perception about law enforcement, how we enact our laws? I well, I listen to a lot of podcasts, as you know. And I mm-hmm. listened to the Lupe, the Lupe and Royce show, and Lupe Fiasco, being the um, the counterculturalist that he is, went on a long, like a pretty short rant. Well, it can't be a short rant. He just went on a little short spiel about how he has family in law enforcement and how the issue of law enforcement is in that is that law enforcement's job is to enforce laws, but they themselves don't know the laws that they enforce, which is how. You get into situations where people start to challenge the police and the police begin to try to throw charges at you. I don't know if you've seen those videos of always mm-hmm. record the police and a dude, he like a Moorish, you know, a more a Moorish individual. So he knows all the rights of the citizens and the sovereignty and the things that, you know, the codes and all that, that you need to say to someone in order to get you off your back. And that immediately sets up an antagonistic relationship with the police person that you're encountering. You know what I mean? Because then you already put yourself as, I know your job and you don't know your job. You're throwing stuff at me, but I know the whole book and I know the laws. So you need to watch what you say to me. And then you end up in a situation where it's like, they're just trying to catch you in some type of rude and mischievous act. I say all that to say this, the relationship with law enforcement for me is always going to be the same in that I hope I never get bothered by them. And I hope... Mm. And that's all I can do is just hope it never happens to me. Um, have I been profiled? Yes. Have I been racially profiled? Yes. Have I been a victim of police brutality? No. Have I been a victim of police harassment? Yes. But at the same time, I know it's just because, I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, I'm not shooting a lot of bill for the cops or nothing, but they have an impossible job. If every day someone, all they saw, dealt with were people that was lying, people that was stealing, people that was doing harm, and people that was hurting other people. How would you feel towards humanity? You would have, I feel yeah. like you would have the, the most skewed perspective of 
who's good and who's bad because everyone you encounter, as soon as you put in your police form, your uniform, you're the ops. (laughs) You are the enemy of the regular person. And no matter what, when people see you, they tense up. And if they see you, they don't tense up. You feel uncomfortable because it's like, yo, this, this, this suit is supposed to give me an air of imperviousness, not invincibility, but I'm impervious to a lot of the things that happen to the common man. I think that there needs to be better training and, and better identification of people that are joining law enforcement and if they have complexes like little man syndrome or if they have, you know, uh, if they was bullied a bunch in high school, that stuff should count against you. Like you can't, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? If you was a, you know, you short, fat, pudgy guy in high school and you had all these giant basketball players, football players bothering you all the time. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? How you think you how, how, the role is going to reverse quickly? As soon as you mm-hmm. get a little bit of power, a little bit, you're going to be on people's head. You know, and that's how it usually is. It's never like the biggest, biggest, most baller police dudes that's out here really talking crazy. It's always the little ones or the fat ones or the pudgy ones or the, you know what I'm saying? It's like, in my, especially in my experience at least. And I think that has a lot to do just because I look like people that bothered them when they was little and powerless. So now that they feel they have the power, they feel that they can you know, try to subjugate me. But my view of law enforcement is probably never going to change. And now if, when I have a child, I'm probably had to teach him. Hopefully I have a, chi- a boy. I don't care what you all think. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'll probably have to teach him, you know, the, the same things that was taught to me. When you see a police officer slow down, if you had a red light, stop for three seconds. You know what I'm saying? Look both ways twice before you go. Um, always try to turn your music down, be polite, say, answer yes, sir. If it's a man, answer no, ma'am. If it's a man, if it's a woman, you know what I mean? Be very polite, be very um, forgiving, be very for, well, apologetic. Things that was just told to me, basically, you got to be mad submissive whenever you encounter a police officer. And why, Chris? Why? Because you don't want to be seen as a, as a Django type figure. You know what I'm saying? They see you as Django. <laughs> you about to hang, bro. Like they about to, <laughs> they about to lynch you, man. And it's like, and I'm so, sorry. Chris, is it because they are not trained? Chris, or it's because they're coming into this situation with those intentions. I think it's I think it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. I think that they are. I think that the big part of the policing training is to be prejudiced. They teach you to profile. They teach you to to jump to conclusions. They teach you to act on your instincts, which is basically the term. I was in fear of my life. That's acting. So as soon as a police officer says that. That for whoever public service relationship that came up with that phrasing, you did a disservice to humanity with that. With that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was in fear of my life. So I acted a quarter, acted in the corner with my training. Like that's that's nuts. Cause that, that basically is like my get out of jail free card. If you if I do anything wrong, I could just say that. But then at the same time, it's also that you get conditioned. Like I said earlier, like you're dealing with people constantly trying to take advantage, constantly trying to get over you, constantly doing this, constantly doing that. You're just gonna have a pu- a few per- perspective. So I mean, in some instances, I feel for them because they got an impossible job. Um, but in other instances, it's like, man, you chose to do this job, so you need to be perfect. And I'm sorry, you, it's, there's no other word for it. You got to be more than human. And a big part of the issue with police, I feel like, is that they're human. And humans are preconceived or like to, to earth. So if that's the case, we need to have some better humans. You know what I'm saying? A superior group of humans, you know, like maybe say over six feet, blonde hair, blue eyes, white skin, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy. Aaron, so I you know, know Aaron, Chris, you know? I, Chris, 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 I don't know if we have enough episodes in the catalog for folks to know that you're trolling right now. <laughs> if you don't know, I just want to call that out for you specifically. It's going to continue. 
uh, it's going to continue. But yeah, Chris, I think both of those things are true. Yeah. They're trained. Those biases are, are trained and embedded into them. Um, they are asked to do an impossible task, which is to respond to any situation in our communities and respond to it appropriately. I can't hold you if we don't talk about the personal accountability here, the personalities that these officers are operating with before they even come into the force. These aren't our most outstanding citizens who are being corrupted into thinking that these specific community members are the ones that need to be. Chris, how much do I want to get into this, man? That's, that's, I'm actually, that's, that's what I'm actually trying to debate right now is how much do I want to get into this? A lot of it is already public knowledge. A lot of it is already what we know. And what I say about we, it's like the people who matter. And what I mean by that, I'm going to be very specific. The people who want to see something change in this world, the people who know that racism exists first because we cannot identify the issue and tackle the issue unless we all acknowledge said issue. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you don't even acknowledge that something is an issue, how do you expect for someone to even identify their behaviors that perpetuate this issue and specifically tackle the actions that they take, the things that they think to even acknowledge that the issue is there to eradicate? Like, it's really difficult for me, honestly, to keep sitting here trying to figure out a way to help white people understand that they're fucking up the world. Like the world that we live in, Chris, has been mostly molded by who? Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Ultimate white man. <laughs> Jesus was like Dave Grohl and David Guetta put together. Right. And then what is Jesus? What is Jesus embodied? Sage Borgia, the son of the banking family that actually funded the Catholic Church. You don't want me to get into it. Because <laughs> where, where are you going to go, Chris? Because where are you going to go? <laughs> I'm going to go to the, the elites and, the you know, the Illuminati. That's the problem. And the Illuminati is the group of old, rich non-black, brown, or other people that basically have all the economic superiority in the world and they basically make mm-hmm. all the decisions. The, mm-hmm. the, the Soros's of the world and the Bilderbergs and the Rothschilds of the world. You know, those types of people that ultimately decide the fate of humanity on a whim because it's mm-hmm. all about their economic interests. Because at some point, I feel like it stopped being about, I personally do believe at some point to stop being about race, it's just become about class. Cause mm-hmm. even in the, in the hood, you're like around the way or whatever. You could be broke and be low class, but if you like got money that make you better than everybody else, like it's always been that way. If you have more, you you you're seen as more. Like the idea of even homelessness is because that person doesn't have a home. That means they're less than human because they are not not even like we all own homes, but you're homeless, so you're less than me. Because at least I have a place to stay. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put on wax that I think that. I can't I can't put on wax that all all white people ruining the world or whatever. I can't say that because it's not all white people, you know. But yeah, because Chris, you 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 are one to not sort of in a broad stroke color folks. Yeah. I get I get that. I I get why you don't. So do you think I'm gonna sit here with the person that is sitting across from me and her entire family that I'm associated with? Mm. You think I also believe that every white person is terrible? Nah, of course not. Who have been the majority rulers of this free world? And let's just keep it to the U.S., man. I don't even want to get into global <laughs> context because that's where you're going to start to pull it. And that's when we because I because we talked about this before. Classism, I believe, is the largest challenge that we face. Mm-hmm. Classism is able to thrive in the way in which it does because of racism. 
I hear you. I'm gonna so, I'm gonna agree. I agree. It's puritanical whiteness that's been the enemy of progress for millennia. Puritanical whiteness. Thank you, Chris. And I'm not even trying to for folks who are listening to push Chris into serving or supporting what I'm about to say. No, it's just at the end of the day, we all have to accept there haven't been people of color, women who have been making the decisions on behalf of the United States, who have not been making the decisions. No, it hasn't been the rules that have been instituted, the institutions that have been built. Right. How we enforce the laws. All of those have been created by, in particular, and predominantly white male mm. and their white female counterparts and a couple specks of colorful people. Yeah. But majority of the ideals in which we live have been reinforced and indoctrinated by white people mm-hmm. and Western ideologies. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we live in this world, right, where there's inequities, right, there's unfairness, right, and prosperity is limited to the color in which you are. Mm. We have to acknowledge that and we have to acknowledge the creators of this world. Facts. So if we can't even tackle racism, we can't tackle sexism, we can't tackle classism, we can't tackle any of the isms unless we can acknowledge it first. Once we acknowledge its existence, then we can acknowledge the actions, right, that perpetuate those things. Mm-hmm. And it's not always just calling a, a black person the N-word. It's not, all, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not. That's, that's not how racism shows up. In our lives, it doesn't show up that way. So, Chris, that's why I was like, I'm battling kind of getting it to this because at the end of the day, you can't explain away what Derek Chauvin did to George Floyd. He murdered that man, right? And our laws won't acknowledge or won't accept what is the reality, which is that man needs to go to jail. He needs to be handled for this. They won't accept or they won't acknowledge that because it directly opposes the mission at hand, which is to keep the status quo going. Because it's easy right now to just dismantle this shit and break this shit down and say this shouldn't exist anymore. We know what we should do. The majority of people in this country know what we should do and voted for change. Yet these same issues like this case of Dark Shaman still exists. And it's the question of why. But we all know the answer, but we aren't doing anything about it. So that's why I feel defeated. That's why I feel dejected. That's why I start this off with a huge gasp or sigh because I'm just like, yo, are we really going to get into it? Because I ain't going to say nothing new that you don't already know. I, I don't know, bro. Because it's like people always say we know what we should do, but it's like, what's that? I've become a lot more but cynical, I guess would be the word, in my in my years. Because when I was little, I used to think, oh, man, you can make a difference. And it's like, can you? <laughs> you know, it's like, can, can you really make a difference? <laughs> oh, man, I'm just one person. I, can, I mean, am I really going to make a difference? Like, really, dog? Like, it ain't me. It's 300, it's over 300 million people in America. And I think I'm going to make a difference, bro. It's like, I need at least 50 million, at least to make a, a, a margin, to have even a margin. Because if I got 50 million, you know how the old saying go, when you try to get your mixtape heard. If you, if you, I got five friends and you showed the five friends and they showed the five friends and then it spread like wildfire. So if I got mm-hmm. 50 million friends and they shared the five friends, that means I should read at least 250 million people. That's almost over half. So therefore I know I would make active, but it's like, realistically, that's not. Exponents, those yeah, exponents. <laughs> yeah, like realistically though, that's not, that's not how it works. Like, all you can do, I always say is like this. All you can do is just try to make sure it's better and eternally in your family. Where you have sovereignty is in your family. Where you have domain is in your family. All you can do is try to make sure the people after you aren't garbage. <laughs> They're not bad people. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. to think that you about to go out 
personally, if you can go out and think you're going to change the world, just little old you and your little blog or your little podcast or your little, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you're developing. It's like, man, really, dog, you need to make sure that your home life is straight. Make sure your family, your partner, your kids, your C's, their friends, anybody that you come in contact with, you have direct dominion over or have a relationship with. Try to get them some information to make sure that they're a better person. Okay, but Chris, but why but why are you now so focused on controlling your own dominion? Why is that such an emphasis for you? Because I know it's about to sound like I'm a mad, crazy person. Mm -hmm. As of late, I feel like the minority of people have become the vocal majority and that things that weren't necessarily seen as an issue have become an issue overall for everybody. So the biggest example, the most prominent example I've seen was Speedy Gonzalez was canceled. And I was like, huh? Like, why? And it was because he was seen as a stereotypical archetypal figure that was negative for Latino and Hispanic and Latinx individuals, right? And then people that people from that community made a major outcry saying, no, I don't mind this. Why does Sarah in Chicago get to decide what my me as Miguel in Mexico has to, is prejudice for me? How come that person can tell me what's best for me? And I feel like that's what's happened a lot of the time. So I feel like it's the same way people was mad that Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion put out the WAP song or whatever, right? And he's like, this song is so, it's so sexualized for our kids. Da, 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 da. It's like, why are you worried about music that your child shouldn't even be listening to anyway if you really, you know what I'm saying? If you really have, if you're really that concerned, why are you exposing your kids to these things? Why do you think that the general public should bend to make sure that your child is sheltered. Isn't that your job as a parent and an individual to make sure that your child receives the type of information that you want to, you know what I'm saying? Like if you want to shelter your child, it's your, it's your job, not society's. So I feel like that's the way that we should do it. Like if you want to see prejudice stop and you're someone who comes from prejudiced people, you should make sure your kids aren't prejudiced. Make sure that your nieces and nephews don't aren't racist. You know what I'm saying? It's the same way black people are and now the big way for black folks is, is like generational wealth. And it's like everybody was talking about generational wealth, generational wealth, generational wealth. It's like, yeah, but won't you just make sure that your kids have it better than you had it? Because that's the mm -hmm. first step. Because if you look at Will Smith, it's like he came from Will Smith came from a two parent home. And then he, now he's a millionaire. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a major thing. Like, I, do you think that back in the day from his back, 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 back in the day that his peoples was coming, was married and upward had that upward mobility to send their kid to a science school, a science and mathematics technical school? Like, Will Smith has a story, story. He took adva full advantage of the opportunities that life had for him. It's the same thing when you think about kids like, I don't know, like Northwest and St. West. Like, when you think about them, the, their potential is exponentially greater because of the things that their parents achieved to make their lives so much better than their previous generation. Like Kanye West's mom and dad were like, his dad was like a professor or something at some college. And his mom was like uh, a real estate agent or something. I don't know what she did, but she was important too. So like they had a two income household. They gave birth to an artsy kid, Kanye West. And then because of that stable foundation, they just made sure that they was better than grandma and me, and papa. They were so much better because they had that solid foundation. Kanye West could explode and rock it into being the man he was now. So it's like, I feel like that's the way you really get to it. Everybody think they're going to be Jay-Z. And it's not possible. Like, it's not possible for everybody to go from selling crack to being a billionaire. It's not. <laughs> it's just not. It's not conceivable. It's inconceivable. To, like, that story's. he's literally one in a billion. Like, one in seven billion. It's only one Jay-Z, bro. Or the same thing when you think about... 
I don't know. And I keep trying to use famous people, but let's think about somebody like Robert Smith. Yeah, Robert Smith. Him. It's like he he's another one. Like he did he pulled himself up from his bootstraps a little bit. Like that's a story that's almost one in a million. Like you can't, that doesn't happen for everybody, but you do have the capacity to make it better for your next generation. So this whole I'm gonna change the world thing, I think is impossible. You just, just change your world, change your society, change your circle. Make sure they're doing the best. Make sure that you've been a positive representation in your immediate vicinity to make sure that people know that they're safe and they they loved and that they felt for, you know? So, Chris, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there was a thriving community of, of Blacks. Yeah, Black Wall what Street. Did, and what happened? They burned that joint down. Who burned it down? White folks, racist, racist white people. Because they because mad that the, because the Black people was too successful. All right. So, um, ha- is that the only time that that happened in American society? No, probably not. It's probably a bunch of examples of black people being successful and then white folks come and take everything away. 100%. So what's the difference now? The difference now, well, I'm be straight, numbers. <laughs> it's more it's more it's more people of color than and I say that meaning everybody, not just black people because I I'm, I'm not sure there are more black people than white people, but there are definitely more there are definitely more other people than white, regular white people. Yeah, they say about the, the thing is by 2050, this country will be much Latino. more colorful than it was before. I don't care which particular group down there. I don't, I, I don't care. I just know it's going to be colorful. Uh-huh. So, so, Chris. Yeah. All these black folks aren't coming together to then live on the same six blocks where we can all, you know, have our stores burned down and all our facilities burned down. We're, we're disparate. Like, we're separated. We're all uh-huh. across in our own little pods, doing what you're doing, changing the circles that we have, right? And you shared examples of folks who have made enormous strides and jumps. And you know what happens when you have Will Smith's, the Kobe Bryant's, the LeBron James, the Michelle Obama's, you know what it does? It shows those racist white folks that like, yeah, you can bootstrap, you can, you can make it too. What are you talking about? There are successful Black people, they are successful. Latinos, they are successful. Agents, what are you talking about? That helps them to not accept or acknowledge the systematic oppression of these individuals. But you realize there's cracks in the institutions that you built that allows those people who you oppress and suppress to actually still find their way through because of their resiliency, right? Because of their ingenuity, right? they are able to create opportunities for themselves. And because of that, people will then justify or say like, yo, man, they could figure it out. They just haven't figured it out. They just haven't, right? So we have to travel hard. We have to have the Will Smiths. We have to have the Kanye West. We have to have the Nicki Minaj's to even have a shot at even thinking or seeing or believing that we can be like them. But why does it take all of that? And so my issue here, Chris, is that we can point to the stars and we can point to all the people who we don't know about who are black and brown and who have incredibly stable, thriving lives. Mm. That's not the case for people across the board. And I'll also keep it really honest. Poor people in general, not all white people are thriving and having incredible life experiences. I think that's partly the reason why a lot of this white supremacist shit can continue to persist because there are tons of white poor people who felt left behind who haven't been served. They felt left behind and they're not being talked about in the news. Right. So that's where the classes thing comes in at. That's why I think that's kind of at the top, because there's a whole collection of people. And we saw this in Judas and the Black Messiah. There's a whole collection of us who need to really come together to really tackle and dismantle 
supremacy and all of these inequities. Like we need to actually come together and do it. But I just can't, Chris, I can't accept here to say like you and I are successful. So we're just going to take care of our families because we can't do anything to affect the world. No, that's what they, the other, these white institutions, these white supremacist institutions want us to believe so that we don't come together and do things and collectively stand against the ills of the society. That's what they want you to do, Chris. We are weaker as individuals and we are stronger together. I understand that. Well, I got two things to say with what you just said. First of all, you born white and you you die broke. You wasted it. You wasted that that beautiful whiteness. You know what I'm saying? You wasted it. You should <laughs> like how's that? You know what I'm saying? You got come on. What we doing, man? You wasted. If you it. can't acknowledge that 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 is the case, you if you can't acknowledge that privilege, <laughs> you don't even know that you, that, that you just, squandered. I'm just saying. I'm just saying you wasted it. I'm just putting that on. I want that on record. Like you wasted it, bro. You wasted it. You born white and you die broke. You wasted it. You wasted it. And the other piece of what you said. I agree with what you're saying, because a big a part of what I'm saying about making sure that your own people that you know and stuff, I'm being honest, but a little bit of that is a little, I'm being cheeky as well. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like what you describe it to me is the what I'm going to call it the country club effect. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. So what country clubs, what country clubs are what? Let's just keep let's keep it up. So what, what are most country clubs? White male, like frat groups? Kind of white, all white, all Jewish, all affluent. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are bylaws that they had to do with the onset of inclusive inclusion in like the 70s and 80s, I guess. I will probably say closer to the late 80s where they used to let one white, one black person in, one Latin person in, one Asian guy in. Why do they do that? Representation. But what does the representation do? It gets people off their ass to say that they're inclusive. Yes. So what you describing with me, to me with the LeBron James, with the Kanye West's, with the Jay-Z's and stuff like that. It's like, I understand what they, what those people represent. They're the people, they the tokens almost in a way. And it's like, mm-hmm. I know, and I know that's something that's, that's crazy. To, like, and I'm not, I don't mean that in a negative context that it is, but it, that's what it is. It's like, you're the one. You're the one we're going to put up, we're going to elevate into this level to let all the other people below you think it's possible. You're the icon. So now that you're the icon, you know, we want you to be a representation that oh, you're going to be not only are we going to give you riches and wealth and support beyond your wildest imagination. You're also going to help us give that message that these others can do it, too, even though we know it's impossible for you to others to do it, too. That whole sentiment is what leads me to what I'm saying about being realistic. If you know, if, right. you, if you and I agree that that's true, then you know that what I'm saying also about just making sure that it's better for your next generation should be your goal. Well, hundred percent, hundred percent, Chris, and, and we got into generational wealth a little bit. And I told you, I'm not even about six generations down the line because they got to figure that out themselves. Yeah. This world might not even be here in the exact form in which my money is relevant to you six lines down the way anyway. Mm-hmm. So like I said, and I hundred percent agree with your assessment. Yeah, you got to take care of your own, right? But what what I what I want to really, What I really want to emphasize is that both exist. You have to go out and take care of your business. Mm. You also need to be involved in this larger fight for humanity. Because we're talking about humanity here. I mean, it's generally, because if you don't, right, that ad, the assets that you built aren't going to be sustainable anyway. Right. Because if we're all operating in silos to create opportunities for ourselves, to create wealth for ourselves, to create assets for ourselves, Who's going to protect that when the others come to take it? If it's just you and your little small family. Reasoning, understanding, Smith and Wesson. <laughs> and <laughs> your reasoning, understanding, and your Smith and Wesson multiplied times six people gets you 12. Yeah. When you got 40 people coming in there deep like they did in Tulsa, what's going to happen? 
RP and G. C and four. I got the helicopter dropping on Drop it on. Got a Call of Duty drop coming. You know what I'm saying? I got a Call of Duty drop. I got UAV, man. I got me a missile. I got me a, a little cruise missile coming in right now. What's up? I blow us all up. What's up? What's really good? But Chris, I think we we can keep going on this, and I think I know where we, I, I I think I know where we're at because I definitely want to get to topic two, and it's it's actually interwoven, right? With with white approval because there there are lots of us. I'm saying folks of color, women who do make it to the other side where you do get to realize some of your greatest dreams, your wildest dreams. Um, but along the way, you have to make some decisions in order to get there. And what I mean by that is your morality, your integrity, what you value sometimes may be compromised because you're trying to acquiesce to whatever the terms of this engagement are that is dictated by those who are in, quote unquote, leadership. Those who are in decision making. Right. And I know the Grammys has passed, but that's, you know, that's one of the times where we talk about like, hey, why do you need an award show basically created by all white people, really for all white people? Why do you need to win something here to feel like you've made it, to feel like you've arrived when there are other institutions and other shows giving these similar awards? Right. And you don't value them. So. I'm going to take it. I'm going to go back to the Grammy thing, but almost just to wrap up the Derek Chauvin thing, too, is that's what the divert. That's what that settlement was. Mm-hmm. A white award for mm-hmm. a black person. Like we realize that we acknowledge your strife. We acknowledge your pain. Here's twenty seven million dollars. That's what it is. It's white approval. Like we know that was wrong. Here's some money. So it's like the same thing. So to get back to the Grammy piece. Well, no, Chris, and one thing I want to interject there, that is the reason why I say money don't bring you happiness. You're about to make $27 million. $27 million, that's a lot of money, man. Mm-hmm. Change a lot of families, man. Baby girl ain't got to worry about it no more. Mom, grandma ain't got to worry about it no more. Family ain't got to worry about it no more. But would you rather not have had your person in life taken away from you the way they were taking away from you in order to get that money? Because it ain't about the money to that family, bro. I know they're going to use it. They're going to appreciate it. But I'd be hard pressed to find a, the family members who matter, the family members who matter, that will say that that money makes them feel like justice was served. Yeah, that's know. not how you respond to situations like that, bro. You hold folks accountable in a court of law, and that's the only level of justice that you can seek to give some type of sigh of relief to that family. Because you want your person there. You want your person there. And again, they're going to spend it, but but that money is not going to bring them joy because that money will always symbolize and embody that person that was taken from them. So that's a weird, really weird place to be. And so that is not the way you reconcile this for that family. You arrest that man. You put that man in jail. You make that man serve the full duration of his time because that's the only way this family receives justice. And that justice is still not just. Yeah, that's true. But that's also, that $27 million is also a lot of Hennessy, a lot of Moet. A lot of cigarettes. Oh, we know what's gonna happen. A lot, a lot of people. In like, that family, I mean, you know? I imagine the amount of gas stations that's about to get so many black and miles about to be sold. Like the spark, the price, the just the volume of black and miles in that community is just going to drop exponentially. Along mm-hmm. with you know ribs, crabs, pot, like crab boils, seafood boils. Those things are just going to be snapped funeral up. Funeral homes, you know. Yep. Funeral yes. homes, barbershops going to be started. You know, lots of funeral mm-hmm. homes. The oh, let me let me chill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because people don't know you trolling. They need about 10, 10 to 20 more episodes from you to know that you trolling right now. They need about 10 to 20. <laughs> but uh, back to the Grammys, Joe. I think that the approval thing is because Black people always leave Black people once they get successful. Mm. 
And I'm just that we the only people that do it. <laughs> we get successful and then we act brand new. And that's why the phrase exists. Why are you acting brand new? It's a black thing, it's an urban thing. You get a little bit of money in your pocket. Oh, you think you brand new. Look at you. You you got a little hit cut. Now you oh, you got a little paycheck. Now you oh, you got your little apartment. Now you and it's like that phrase is about the idea if you think you're better than me because you have something going on. And I'm not going to say it's rooted in self-hate. What I am going to say that is built is is really rooted in the idea of self-doubt and self-actualization. I think that those things don't necessarily exist until you are validated by people that aren't like you. It's the same way, you know, you have the stereotype about hyper-successful Black guys not marrying Black women. That stereotype comes through because it's like the majority of hyper-successful Black men do end up with women that aren't necessarily Black. Um, And there's... And there, I don't know what it is to it. I don't know. It's just something that happens. Uh, and I, I, I want to say it's just the access to meeting different types of people. But at the same time, some a lot of black women would say it's rooted in a deep rooted self hate. But I don't think that's what it is. Um, I really think mm-hmm. that that idea of, like I said, to go back to the Grammys thing, is more about that idea. Like I'm being validated by someone who doesn't look like me. Therefore, this has more reverence over my life because I'm not only successful to black folks, I'm successful to all folks. I'm successful to the white people. I finally done it. I've crossed over. I am more than. Uh, the same thing could be said about uh, with how Prince, when he was the biggest artist on the planet, people was like, that's not, he's not a black guy. That's Prince. Michael Jackson. I, know I always use entertainers because that's what I know. I'm sorry, folks. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, mean, good. I, read, I read books, but I mean, I'm trying to get better. Uh, but, you know, people say- Michael Also, you're going you gonna, you gonna to drop a name that people ain't going to know. So keep dropping these references <laughs> that people are familiar with. I guess, yeah. Michael Jackson, he not black. That's Michael Jackson. Michael Jordan, he not black. You know what I'm saying? That's Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. It's like you got these icons that come through and you don't think they black. They just, they, they transcend their blackness. Um, uh, the best example of that- well, I guess will be, I know it's going to sound crazy, but most presently will be Kanye West. Mm-hmm. And people know, people that know me know my love for Kanye West is deep. <laughs> it is vast. <laughs> vast would be the word. Um, and I think that his recent ascent is almost directly in line with his awakening as a, someone who's no longer worrying about social class. He's not worried about social issues. He's not worried about economic issues. He's not worried about race really anymore. He's only worried about more global things. And I think that his global perspective has largely made him cast race as something that's not as important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just due again to his self-actualization. He's viewed... Kanye West's ascent into being the Kanye West of today is almost directly in line with his ascent as being a popular culture icon. Like mm-hmm. it's it's not it's almost indistinguishable. The more famous he got, the less black, <laughs> almost the less black his content became. He became avant-garde, which is generally not something that's the most black thing that you were a thing you would associate with blackness is avant-garde. I feel like the majority of people would associate. Blackness with cool and chic or trendy or um, creative, but not necessarily Mm -hmm. avant-garde. So to say that the Grammys hold more weight than a BET award, 
that hold more weight than a Soul Train Music Award, hold more weight than, I'm trying to think of another black award, that it, a, a gospel award. I don't know what that would be called. Mm-hmm. I'm not a gospel listener like that besides Kurt Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, stomp somebody out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's what stomp was about. Stomp, <laughs> stomp out his son. Uh, but, <laughs> but it's just, it's just those things. I think that's why it holds more weight, man. It's always been that way. You win a VH1 Music Award when that used to be a thing. When you used to win the Moon Man, it was way more important than winning a Source Award. You know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. it's just, and I think it's just that because of that idea you're being accepted by people that aren't like you. Um, and that that's acceptance. It makes you feel good. It makes other people feel good. But I feel I feel like it only makes them feel good because it, it validates their work in a way to think, yeah, my work is not just for black people, it's global. And it's like, but what's wrong with having your work just be for black people, man? Like I always go back to that Patrice O'Neill thing. Why would why wouldn't you want why is a million black dollars not equal to a million white dollars? Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem if I have a million black folks that's willing to spend, give me a dollar. That's I feel that's that's perfectly fine. But that's people, a win. But people will chase, man. I want, a, but I have the capacity to get a million white dollars. And an example would be like Eddie Murphy. When Eddie Murphy was kind of just for black people, he's everything Kevin Hart wish he was. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But then as soon as he crossed over to try to get, you know, people that not like black the white audience, his content became a little bit more like more mundane, like it was more, mm-hmm. a lot more tame. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. to go from raw and delirious to Dr. Doolittle in a thousand words, it's like, huh? Like I get you supposed to be an artist, but bro, like you had, I, you had us. The same thing with Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart used to be like the dude from Philly. You know what I'm saying? He was making it a little kid the best. He was doing all this, doing all that. But he trust she's just transitioning away. That's just, Far out of reach of even a comedian. Now your man's just more of an entertainer. Like it's it's like his mm-hmm. comedy is just not comedy no more. It's just it's more anecdotes. It's like he giving a TED talk to twenty thousand people every night. <laughs> like it's, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And it's like that type of intrigue. It's like that pivot is crazy to me. And then you got people like that's like Fifty Cent. I'm gonna call, keep it a buck. Fifty Cent. I feel like he one of the few people that just never really transitioned from being a dude from Queens. Like he black. He made content for people that's black. <laughs> he hired mostly black people. He got his production company with black people. You know what I'm saying? It's like as much as people always talk about him being a bully and stuff, he never really left the people that made him. <laughs> you know, like even his music that he made, he still make gangster rap. He still make those street records. He never stopped being who he was. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's a reason why people are rewarding 50 Cent with that type of industry. When he drop a show, everybody watch it. When he drop a book, everybody cop it. When he drop a movie, people go see it. It's because he never forgot the base audience who made him. Those first million people that love 50 Cent, always love 50 Cent because you can count on him to give you a certain style of content. He never going to change it. And that's tight. You know what I'm saying? The same thing when you think of uh, FUBU. That was a mis- that was the thing about FUBU when it was super popular. It was content created for Black people by Black people. And that's why white people loved it. <laughs> Jim Jones was on Earn Your Leisure and he made a very apt discernment that black people, they never wore FUBU, they never wore uh, Rockaway, and they never was really South Pole. And I was like, and he said, they also never wore Paco jeans. And I was just like, huh? And I was like, I remember people. I did. I did. So, but this, this is what we're going to get into. He's like, the reason why you never really saw black people wearing that stuff is because in New York City, which is where he was talking about, and, and but that's his lens. Why mm. would I wear the knockoff when I can go get the original? FUBU is a knockoff of Tommy Hilfiger. 
all the stuff that they was making was just knockoffs of the original stuff we was making. When you used to see a music video, the rapper would be a FUBU model, but they would have on Ralph Lauren. Mm -hmm. That stuff is created and marketed to middle America. That was so that Tommy in Indiana can feel like he's Cameron in New York. Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm saying in a long about, roundabout way is that that culture swap is important. Like the black people want to feel acceptable white people and the white, pe white people want to consume the coolness of blackness. That's why they invited us to the show and sit us in the front, even though we don't win no awards. <laughs> Because they know where the energy is. The energy's around the Cardi B's. The energy's around the Jay-Z's. The energy's around the, the Bad Bunnies, the J Balvin's. Those are people that you want to see. They got that energy. But when it's time to give them an award, it's Taylor Swift time. <laughs> I'm trying to think of another. I don't even know. What's her name? She got, she the blonde one. Take me as I am. She made the Crash Bandicoot music. Used to, I be there for Talk to I the wrong am. person, Chris. I take me as I am. Billie Eilish, the Billie Eilish time. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's their time. And it's just like, why is that? You, you know, I don't understand why this person is so important. But you know why they're important. Chris, you, you hit a range of things, dude. And I want to start off with Meek Mill. I saw a, little, a post about money and, you know, I, the long story short, he was like, yo, people say when I made money, I changed. Mm -hmm. He's like, I didn't change. I was that same dude from the block. You know what changed? You changed. Because when I was broke, when I was on the block, when I was doing my thing, you never came to me for money. I was never the person that was called to help you move left or to move right. It wasn't until that you saw me having money that I now became the person that was responsible for taking care of X, Y, Z for you. So what changed? I didn't change. You changed. And to a heavy extent, I agree with that a lot. I can't help but make this personal because we can talk about these things in a really abstract way. But you got to personalize them so people can know that these things are real. You know, I talk about where I grew up from and I'm a relative success based on where I came from. And I even get treated differently by my family members. Right. Because they think that I think of them in a certain way because of where they perceive me to be at. The reality is the places where I go. The things that I've seen don't impact how I view my family. I done viewed them the same way since I done grew up with them. They're my peoples. But what happens when you call? I pick up. What happens when you need something? I got you. But am I going to ask you why first? Yes. Are we going to talk about why you're in the situation you win? Yes. <laughs> but are we going to talk about getting you out of the situation together? Yes. Right. And am I going to leave my hand out there to say, yo, I got you. Let me know what you need. We can make a plan and get you some bread. Like, what, like whatever we need, we can, we can make it go. Every single one of my siblings, my homies, my homegirls, the people associated with me in the closest ways, they all know who I am. Right. And the more money I'm going to make is going to be the same thing. But, you know, what you're going to hear a lot more often might change, might differ. Why? Because what you said you didn't want to tie it to, but exists. People have to deal with the success that comes with the stars that they see shining the brightest. They measure themselves up against that individual because that person does look like them, right? That person did come from similar situations, right? And that situation now has changed for that now shining bright star, right? And so before you can even give that individual the opportunity to support or to give back, right? Or to pay it forward, we're already, already trying to cut that person down, right? And I'm also pointing the other, paint the other side of this. There are people who go off and do exactly what you said. They do change. They made some money and they ain't messing with you no more. Right. And I'd say there's a few different arguments for that, that I'm not even going to get into all of them. But I know one specifically is that you're going to outgrow certain people when you reach a certain level of success because of what that success requires of you. And what it requires of you is your time and your creativity. And that ain't free. And you never get that back. So if you got people around you who don't really want to invest in the investment, Right. Which is you. Right. Don't want to invest in that to get you to where you need to go. So we all can eat what you got to do with those folks. Let them go. You got to cut them off because all they're doing is siphoning 
from the source, right? Without putting in the work. So that's just not going to naturally happen. But if there's a true character shift in this individual where they go from a person with less integrity, less morality, then I can't do nothing about that because money did really affect you. And I do think of that when I think about shows like the Grammys and other things, we start in this creative space making music because it meant something to us. It made sense for our block. It made sense for our culture, right? Our spaces. And then once you get the approval from other folks, you continue to chase that dollar, right? And that dollar comes with certain terms. And so I like every point you hit, man, but I also just wanted to paint that picture that like, no, not everybody out here just changing. (laughs) People are changing around them, right? And so I think that's one. And then the other piece of this, man, is there's, like I said, there's a few points you hit. I'm gonna just say another one or or, or focus on one more. And that's the range that I think we all exhibit, right? You talked about Kanye West. You talked about all the different people who have made it to incredible levels of stardom. And as they continue to grow and experience their career, they want to make a shift. And that may be a shift, right? Because they have a range that we haven't been able, that they haven't been able to expose us to because they kept meeting us where we were. They haven't expanded to show their range. It is a very big difference between Kanye West and Kevin Hart. I talked about this. Kanye West, I mean, or Kevin Hart, he got born. Hmm. You ain't got no problems when you got buried. Like that amount of bread that you got, he just brought his little girl, deservedly so, an $85,000 Mercedes truck. What problems do you have? You know what I mean? And what, like, you still deal with societal issues for sure, a little bit different. But like your problems are a little bit different. You may have some in-house problems. You may have some like personal problems. But like the problems that really keep people down and out, the structural inequalities that exist to keep people financially hamstrung, where they can't move about that financial mobility and flexibility, Kevin Hart has that times 10. Right. And that shifted his content, which is no longer desirable or entertaining for us anymore. Because what are your problems? The chef didn't show up and make the right eggs. Right. Versus the Kaye. Like his content has fundamentally shifted, but I actually think it's a part of his range. But I also think the more you start to move away from yourself being a part of this group, right? Like being a part of the black community. And again, he always would talk about how he felt a little bit different. He was always a little bit off from the, from the circular group. But as he continued to grow, he started to see himself as what? God. A God. Why? Because yeah. he, he Jesus saves. That's why. I told you, no slander leaving my lip. No, no, because I'm about to get into this in a different sense that you, than you think I am. He said he's a God, right? Yeah. And Chris, what is a God? All-powerful, all omnipotent being. All right. Is God manifesting in people or is God a spirit? Mm. Mm. I don't know. God, I think, put, put, put it on wax. Put it on wax, Chris. I, to me, God is a God is an overarching energy that embodies us at times. I feel like we all move in divinity and all have godliness within us, but it all manifests in different ways depending on what your natural predilections are and your talents are. And so... When I think about Kanye West, when he sees himself as a God, I think he's starting to realize the power that he has as an individual. God is your flaws and all. Mm. God is the greatness. Give to God the glory, mm. right? People always say, but what happens when things get shitty and things get bad, yeah. right? Yeah. We all got devils the, in us too. We got devils. <laughs> they got, it's a devil. It's a whole different thing. No, it's all God. Because the devil was what? A pretty man. <laughs> pretty boy. Yeah, he was um, Aesop Rocky. I was say ASAP. ASAP. <laughs> hey, yeah. ASAP, pretty boy. What? And what happened? Had a fall from grace. And so what I'm saying is, we're all God, bro. This, this is not no figure that's going to be standing at the pearly gates when we are no longer occupying this earth. God isn't me and you. God are our flaws and all. You know, it makes it really uncomfortable for people to acknowledge that they are a God. 
all the flawed shit that they do means that they're doing it. They're responsible for all the flawed shit that they're doing. And that's godly behavior. Don't put bring God in this because people are not ready for that. That's that's yeah, exactly people, people not ready for people people not ready for it, but they need to hear it. So it's just like if you cannot accept, if you are not aware of the fact that you are godly, you should aspire to what you that the level that you hold God to, the aspirations that you hold God to, right? The purest, most powerful thing in this universe. If you don't have the awareness that you are that individual then that means you are beyond or incapable of being in control of anything that you really do because you're always going to give it up to a higher being, a higher power, right? And that's why you also can't accept that the things that you do in life or the things that happen to you are partly responsible because of you and the world that you live in. Because you can see me, and I think this is totally related to the larger overarching topic of whiteness here that we're talking about. You can't see that what you do is racist, sexist, et cetera, because you can't even acknowledge that those are issues, right? Because that's ungodly, right? And so when you recognize that you do act on these things, you do say these things, you take part in ungodly things, you have to realize that those things mutually exist. So if you really want to put all your power, if you really want to put all your energy into this godly figure, you have to realize that you are a God. And so the things that you want to see in this world, you have control in seeing how they come to fruition, how they come to reality. No one's ever going to create this for you. No force is going to drop down from the from the skies and the heavenly skies. And Jesus will not come back and say, like, yo, what's going on? It just won't happen. So when I think about, yeah, because when I think about Kanye West, I see his evolution in thinking about who he is in space and time and in this world. And I see him trying to communicate this message. So you can say he's one beyond his blackness. I think he's actually just exploring different channels to communicate some things that he's starting to process. He just has a big enough microphone to say it out loud. And he's also such a big enough personality that he's going to say some things before he's finished thinking critically about it. And so that's the difference there. That's the challenge. And so for people like Kanye West, again, they, they, they've grown past the need to get the validation from certain folks. They've grown past it, right? But that's not everybody. Not everybody gets to grow past that where they need validation because it's not just entertainers, right? It's not just the Kanye's. This doesn't just happen at the VMAs and at the Grammys. This happens on Wall Street. This happens at your nonprofit, Chris. This happens at your union. This happens at your bank job. This happens everywhere where you have to acquiesce and meet the terms of that engagement of being in that corporate space or being in whatever space in which you're doing work eight to 10 to 12 hours a day. We all have to shape shift, code switch to meet those needs. And some of us fall into that and never get out of it and never get to a place where they can say, nah, I'm gonna just be me in my workspace and be who I am. There's a larger challenge here where it's hard for me to just say people should bootstrap, pull all their shit together and get it right. Because there's so many overwhelming undertones and undercurrents, societal pressures and societal circumstances that really dictate what we are capable of doing anyway. I think that the biggest part you're trying to talk about is that idea of putting on that mask. Like I did that little painting you've seen in my house, the little one to do putting a ski mask on. That's what that's about. Like every day we put on a mask to protect our true identities and hide our true selves from society. But at the same time, that mask also protects us from ourselves. Because when you look in the mirror, you got a mask on, you'll really mm. never get to see who you are. But in reality, this all wraps up around that idea of white acceptance for blackness. Like once you get that acknowledgement, you feel like you have the ability to be your true self around white people, but a large, but a, it's like almost at what expense? Because now that you can be your true self around white people, what does that mean about yourself around black people or yourself around your people or yourself around people at home, people that know you? Because at some point there's going to be a deviation from the person that you were and to the person that you've now become. So it's like, because everybody always says the phrase, I am who I am. And it's like, you're not though. You in a, in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. people are always changing. And as that change comes, you have to have the ability to reflect and understand that you have made that change. Like I know Meek Mill said that, I understand what you're saying, what, what you're saying about your personal story, how 
you'd be like, oh man, I haven't changed, but it's like you have changed. Your experiences change yeah. you. They yeah. shape your perspective. They 100%. shape who you are as an individual. So it's like this to say that you haven't changed at all, you're the same. It's like, no, nah, that's not realistic. Because even the people you know, the meetings you've been in, the conversation you had, you have a level of perspective that the people that you're dealing with don't have. So to expect the person that you're dealing with that's asking for that support, that support, what they're asking for doesn't seem too crazy to them because that's what all they have ever known is to try to ask for support from people who have. And now you as someone who has, you're at the opposite end of the perspective. Like, yo, this is different. So, and then wrap it back up into the, to the, to like the idea of like white acceptance for black greatness. I feel like that's a big part of it. You know, once you get that award, you change a little bit. Cause now you think, man, I'm accepted mm-hmm. by the white folks. I don't need y'all. I don't need black dollars no more. I'm about to go after these white dollars. I got enough of you. Y'all always going to love me. And that's the, I feel like that's the error mm-hmm. that every person makes. Y'all not going nowhere. You not going nowhere. I can treat you any old kind of way and you going to be here and you going to like it. People don't realize, no, I can leave. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I'm going to head out. I'm going to head out. I think that this has run its course and it's not going nowhere positive. So I think I'm going to head out. And then people, when you say that to people, that's when the switch usually clicks. Like, wait, you leaving? It's like, yeah, you, you, you crazy. That's unreasonable. You going to treat me any old kind of way I'm supposed to accept it. And I'm telling you, that's not what I need from you. And you refuse to change. Therefore, either I'm going to accept you never changing or you're going to accept that I can't take this and I'm going to go. So I'm going to go. And usually that's usually what triggers the change in people. They go mm-hmm. try and go back to their roots. Like an example of this would be Wiz Khalifa, uh, Rolling mm-hmm. Papers. And then people was just like, what the hell is this? And then immediately after, after that outcry, like the album was a success. So people mm-hmm. that were not his fans, but his fans was like, this is mid, you know, and that we talk like this mm-hmm. is mid, this is dirt. Then he put out, then he put out Taylor Alder Dice. And people was like, yo, this shit is heat. Like, yeah, this is fire. What the, why wasn't this the album? Duh, 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 duh. And then you get into that dichotomy. Well, I had to make the label happy. So I pull out that. But for my real fans, I put out my out my mixtape. And it's like the mixtape sound 10 mm-hmm. times better than the album. And I'm a fan. I would have bought this twice mm-hmm. and seen it in concert. That's the disconnect people have. An example of this would be Royce the 5'9". Just to get just to mm-hmm. really wrap it into the Grammys. I, I'm a fan of Royce the 5'9". He's one of my favorite rappers. Ever since I was 13, 12, 13, no, 11 years old, I heard Bad Meets Evil with him and Eminem. And that was the first rapper I ever heard that was rapping with Eminem. And he was rapping mm-hmm. with Eminem. Like most people rap with Eminem. It's just like, it's not a contest. Like Eminem rapping circles around this man. Royce the 5'9". No, 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 no. no. <laughs> not today, Marshall. He don't even call Eminem Eminem. He call him Marshall. We call him his real name. So you already know what's <laughs> yeah, up with him. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about Marshall. Anyway, back to the story, like he supposed to win a Grammy for his album, um, The Allegory is great, but he lost to Nas. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, man, because I'm torn. I, the Nas and album. And what Nas that by was we talking about? Um, the Nas album that just came out, the um King's okay. Disease. That album might be one of the best Nas albums that came out. Hey, yo, and, I, and, and I'm saying this because the last couple people been getting on me because I was like, the last two couple Nas albums, I'm like, I ain't listening to these joints. Life was good was the last one. Yeah. I was like, okay, it was remotely was like, yeah, life, life was, was good. But yes, but yes I, I am in full agreement here with you around. Yeah. The music, the musicality, the flow, Spice. the mixing, the beats, the beats, the beats, the features, the content. It was like, yo, he's, he's, mm-hmm. this is good. Like, this is good. Like, usually with Nas, it's like, man, he, he rapping mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. Like who, who rapping better than the flow? Ten out of ten. But the the musicality of it being like this sound like some spoken word. I'm not really into this. Like not to say that it's bad, but I ain't hate. I'm not trying to listen to no, you know, so Nikki Giovanni. I'm trying to hear some. Yeah, it makes me bro. think of comment a little yet? bit, but that's gonna pull us off in a whole another. Yeah. Yeah, I love comment. I love comment. But um, back to the, what I was saying about Royce the Five Nine. 
I first personally feel like for this time, Where's the Five Nine should have won that Grammy a hundred percent. Like his album, he had all the music that he made was directly associated to what was happening right now in life. Not to say his Nas wasn't, but Nas should have won twenty years ago when mm-hmm. he put out Illmatic. That was the great that album. Perfect. That's a perfect album. I don't care if you think Nas oh, he's sleepy rapping. Duh, duh, duh. <laughs> but Nas Illmatic classic. It should have won a Grammy over whatever one that year. It should have been Illmatic. I don't care what it was. It should have been Illmatic. Like, come on, nobody. Come on, man. What are we talking about? But if, but this year it should have been Royce the Five Nine. I ain't hear D Smoke album. I ain't hear much of Freddie Gigg's album. I know both of them are excellent artists and excellent rappers. I can tell you both the albums that both of those dudes produced were solid. Yeah, but it's not what Royce the Five Nine produced his whole album, recorded it, mixed it, engineered it, <laughs> wrote the, all yeah. the bars. He wrote every word, every song. Like, what we doing? Like, and he, uh, it's just like, man, it's like you can't win for losing. And it's like, that goes into that whole pandering thing. When you align yourself with the right people and the right situation, you win the Grammy. Who was Royce the Five Nine aligned with? Himself. Who was Nas aligned? with hit boy one of the newest most awarded artists he's one of our he won a grammy with kanye west multiple he won a grammy with jay-z nas nipsey hustle <laughs> your man's winning grammys whoever work with if you work with hit boy you got a hit boy you got a hit like this yeah yeah like that like come on it's like getting a feature with drake it's going platinum like you got a feature mm-hmm. with drake that's going off i don't care who you are it's going off so you know it's just going back into what i was saying that that white acceptance, it validates you in a lot of ways. It puts you in the right room and puts you in the right space. And that right space sometimes is not the right place because you end up leaving the people that got you there. Not to say that Nas left the people that got him there, but you know, a lot of the music that's on there, it sounds good now, but it's like on the album, the only song I probably see myself listening to again, Ultra Black, All Bad. Spicy. I don't know. It's not like, really, like that's not really all funny. of his... Um... Yeah, but it's but again to me, but it's like the idea of that aging well though. Is that I'm gonna be a hood rap my entire life, bro? That's just the person that you hear on this microphone is ninety nine point nine five Mike all the time. But Mike also loves his hood rap music. It's just it's just part of me. So yeah, that's always gonna be relevant to me. Yeah, back to the back to the kickstand, back to the kickstand song. (laughs) We're not gonna talk about it, but my (laughs) but my guys, (laughs) right. It's just like that that idea of like you got to keep making what you make because I remember Lupe Fiasco to really wrap it all up. He was like Lupe Fiasco was like you can't chase a Grammy. That's the, you should do the opposite of that. You should always just make what you want to make. But to wrap that up, Chris, what will be so if we're, if we're talking about the acceptance of whiteness? What will be so your your overarching takeaway? I guess my overarching takeaway from the acceptance of whiteness would be, you know, it's it's there's nothing you can really do. At one point, you don't want it to be that way. But at another point, I understand. It gives you access to a group of people that you would probably have never had access to before. And that access comes with opportunity. You know, with access comes mm-hmm. opportunity. That's the thing that people always forget. People think the opportunity just exists. It does. But unless you know the right people to get you keyed into that opportunity, that's, the opportunity will doesn't, it, therefore it doesn't exist. If you don't know the right people to get you there, it doesn't exist. So the answer, the, the short answer, the quick answer, people always say, we should have our own awards, brother. We could mm-hmm. do our own thing. Let's bring back the Soul Train Awards. Let's bring back. It's like, yeah, you could bring it back. But at the end of the day, does that stuff really, who's keeping count of the people that win Soul Train Awards? What does that do for you? 
Does that raise your price as an entertainer? Does that bring you more clout? Because when you when you have the word Grammy nominated in your name, you can ask an extra additional three to five thousand dollars. When you have Grammy award winning in your name, you can ask for an extra ten to infinite mm-hmm. infinite amount of money. You know can what I'm I saying? Interject so it's like that. Well, so yes, I agree with you one hundred percent. You can have Grammy nominated next to your name and use that as leverage. But why? What does Grammy nominated next to your name really mean? You got bread. Like basically what that means, if you're Grammy nominated, there, there's money involved in this. You either are making a lot of money, you are associated with money, or people should spend their money on you because you've been vetted by this particular group. Right. So, yeah, like you said, for white America or middle America. Yeah. You got that Grammy stamp. That's true. You exponentially jump into the light with the Soul Train Awards. You don't. But. You know what shifts all of that? Because I'm with you. I'm in the same camp. I don't want my own just all black state. No, because mm-hmm. the oppressed become the oppressor. We <laughs> we just going to do the same things to each other unless we learn what the true issues are and actually eradicate those. Because we know how black people treat black people, just like we know how white people treat white people. Right. Like, hey, it really ain't that different. Right. So for me, it's just like the Soul Train Awards having that next to your name. If that means that you have three million people behind you, supporting you, spending money, dropping money on you, people will want those Soul Train Awards. People will, because at the end of the day, they're going to want that money that comes with that award. Right. It's the only reason why I'm just keeping it to things that we know in the NBA. You know why you want to make the all-star team? (laughs) Yes, exactly. bro. Like, yes. Oh, I'm an all-star. I'm a top player. But you know what that's? There's a contractual obligation for you to get certain amount of dollars when you get certain awards or you hit certain stat lines. So at the end of the day, this is a business decision. Right. So it's it's a really convoluted, heavy thing. But folks have to know there's simple things at the root of this. Right. And so because, you know, it is perceived that the black dollar is less than the white dollar. You don't care about a soul train award, no matter how many people are behind you. You don't. You don't. And that's the issue we have to start to eradicate. And it's not to just say we should have a a, a black version or, or 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 Latino version or Asian version of every fucking award show. It's the point that award shows don't matter anyway. They don't. They don't. They don't matter. So it's like we can say we should have all these different things. We should have our own communities. We should have our own award shows. We should just separate everybody because we can't do the work together. It's like, no, that's the wrong way to go about this, bro. Because we could all figure out how to do this together and actually make it all make sense because we can't make it make sense by ourselves. We can't because when we've tried, it didn't work. It didn't work. Soul Train didn't work. Tosa didn't work. The companies that we built didn't work. Right. Still reeling from all of the craziness. Right. When people, you know, pillaged the villages, took all the resources. Now, what do you do? The oppressed become the oppressor, Chris. Doing the same things to each other. So, yeah, Chris, I think we... We covered a lot of ground today. Yeah, we did. We, we did. We touched a lot of issues. You know, we touched a lot of a lot of hearts and minds. You know, a lot of thoughts and prayers probably going out from what we said. People probably think you're atheist or some sort of heretic now too. You know what I'm saying? To my God is within us, man. You crazy. You sound like a demon worshiper. You're an atheist. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, Chris, just like I said, people need probably about like 10 to 20 more episodes to know when you trolling or not. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I had to call it out like hey yo Chris is trolling right now I'm just saying however I'm not trolling 
I'm not trolling. So, so, so we can talk about it. That's the thing about this. Anything that we say, anything that we say, we can discuss it. People gonna hit you like, so, uh, Mike, I want you to come to my church. I want you to talk to my pastor. That's what I want you to do. You know, you can, you can bring, you can bring Erica. You both of y'all should come. Both of y'all should come. Cause <laughs> you know, I want you all to be in the holiness with me. And when I get to the pearly gates, I would love to see y'all faces. You know, I would love to see you all face, but for where you're talking, you'll never get there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're gonna know if you ever get there either. We won't even know about it. So, you, you bugging? All right. Chris. So this beyond this beyond hood and evil. <laughs> um, I'm Chris. Yeah, I'm Chris, and that's Mike over there. You know what I'm saying? Um, in the in the heat in the pits of hell. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you know, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Moodify. You want to stop for accountability? You got to change. You try and make go ahead and Moodify that joint. You know what I'm saying? You can't push away from the plate. Moodify. You try and get some more weight in the gym. Moodify. You try and get that new job. Moodify. You try and reward. Moodify. Do that, man. Make sure you get mm. them goals. Hit them personal best. You know what I'm saying? That's all it's about. Be better than the rest. You know what I'm saying like Arians. Um, but then you got um. <laughs> Then you got Stiffworks, you know what I'm saying? A very professional A1 Black-owned business that does branding in the Washington, D.C., DMV, New York, and Los Angeles area. You know what I'm saying? If you're doing business and you want to get some colored folks to help make your stuff look super dope, hit Stiffworks. You know what I'm saying? Hit that contact. Hit us today. We get to you ASAP. You know what I'm saying? The website right there. You know what I'm saying? Go to the contact. Hit me, and I'll get back to you in less than 24 hours. I'm talking about like 30 minutes. You're going to hear from me. You hear me? So, yeah, man. You hear me. <laughs> That's Beyond Hood and Evil. Wow. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you too, man.